If you will take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I've got to get out my prop here. Have you seen any news this week about stethoscopes? Any of you watch the news? So, the news this week about stethoscopes. Just share it in case you didn't get to see all the privilege of all over on Facebook and all the news stations. So, there's this, uh, there's this show that comes on, I believe it's ABC, called The View. And please don't raise your hands if you watch it. I don't want to know. So, um, I have my own terms for this show, but I won't share those with you unless you ask me in private, and then I'll tell you. But um, these ladies on The View made a statement about a contestant in a beauty pageant that happened to be a nurse that worked with Alzheimer's patients. And she kind of did a dissertation about her experience with one of her particular uh, patients and basically telling this patient that he mattered. And what she wore onto the stage to do her, um, to do her, I think they called it a monologue, actually, not a dissertation, but a monologue, she wore her scrubs and her stethoscope. Well, there were some comments made that, that nurses certainly didn't appreciate uh, about the, steth the stethoscope, and so it's been all over the news, and it's offended many, many in the nursing profession about the ridicule that this young lady got for her stethoscope and how important it is for nurses in their jobs. And certainly they are. But you know, lots of things can be said that offend people. And you know, you, you learn this more and more as you go through life and as you get older and hopefully wiser, that you've got to be very careful about how you say things and what you say. It kind of reminds me of our modern technology that we have today and we send text messages or we call someone on the phone. Well, there are a certain amount of translation that is missed in a text message, isn't there? You know, have you ever sent a text message and then you look at it after you've sent it and you think, oh, I didn't mean that like it came out. We have these wonderful things called autocorrect, right? And sometimes autocorrect doesn't do quite what we intended it to say. And then we're embarrassed because of what the phone decided to type instead of what we really typed. Especially when you're dealing with your spouse. You have to be very careful about sending text messages to your spouse because they may be misconstrued because they don't get the inflection of the voice or, or the sarcasm that may come across in a statement that you've made. And so text messaging can be challenging, right? You know, we have the debates on football teams and, and Ron mentioned Alabama and whether you're an Alabama fan or a Tennessee fan or whatever, we, can, we all have... Uh, favorites that we like to, to have. You know, um, you can't know Brian Sorella without knowing favorites in computers, right? Or, or cell phones. So we have these constant debates and people, and people uh, having opinions that sometimes really don't matter that much. 
But yet we have to look at those opinions that do hurt other people. And so I can't help but to think about uh, places in God's Word like 1 Corinthians chapter 8 or Romans the 14th chapter or Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at all these today about things that we might do in our life as a Christian that might be offensive to other people and why their opinion or their thought in the matter doesn't have to be exactly like ours. I used some examples, and I jotted down several things. You know, the nurses were offended about their stethoscopes, but uh, paramedics have been offended for years about being called ambulance drivers. Did you know that was offensive? Yes, they drive an ambulance, but they do much, much more things than driving an ambulance. But yet people continue to do call them ambulance drivers. And that's offensive to some, right? Or how about uh, Ford versus Chevy? Right? It could offend someone if you down their truck or you down their car or whatever. It could be offensive. So, so how we do things, it's all right to joke and have fun and have like-hearted conversation, but we got to be careful sometimes of what we say and how we say it. Sometimes without realizing what we say can be very insensitive. Has anyone here been guilty of that? You don't have to raise your hands. I'll raise mine. I have been guilty of saying things that I look back on later and say, you know what, that was insensitive. I think of one uh, specific uh, incident that happened. Um, we were at a, uh, a party for a uh, holiday party for a, a part-time job that I had years ago um, when I was maybe 22 years old. And um, we're at a party, and the, uh, the man's wife, was adopted. And I said, uh, what I said was, so that is not her real mom. Boy, if I could take that back. I didn't mean it like that. I meant that wasn't her biological mother. But that's not what I said. I said that wasn't her real mom. That was most definitely her real mom. Most definitely. If you've ever adopted a child, that is your real child. And you are their real parent. And you have that responsibility that God has blessed you to have. So we can say things sometimes that are insensitive. I think of other things. Maybe, maybe in our situation of a homeschool parent saying, I can't believe you would let your child go to public schools. Well, that could be offensive to people who go to public schools. Or how about the flip side? Uh, your, uh, public school, uh, your public school child and uh, our parent and you said well I can't believe you would homeschool your kids because that's going to make them awkward or backward you see it depends on what perspective you're looking at as to whether or not that's going to be offensive to someone or how about uh, how about a person with a small family saying don't you know that God said be fruitful and multiply or someone that was against a large family saying, don't you know what the cause of that is? You know, that could be offensive, right? I remember when Corey and I were trying to get pregnant for the first time, and uh, it took a year and a half before we got pregnant with Emily, and we had lots of encouragement from people, but then every time, every time we were asked, well, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? You know, 
the first thing they want to know when you're dating is when are you going to get married? So people rush you right into, okay, when are you getting married? And then as soon as you get married, we say, well, when are you going to have kids? And so for a year and a half we had to hear, when are you going to have kids? Well, we wanted to have children, but God had other plans. So maybe, you know, just by asking, maybe sometimes how we ask things might be insensitive to others. I mentioned just a few other things here. Perception is reality. I remember Greg Scholl saying that when we taught the teenage class downstairs all the time. Perception is reality. What people perceive is what they believe is real. If they take things out of context, that's going to be still real to them. What we say can be humorous, but it can also be damaging. And that's why I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for a few minutes this morning. There are times when light humor is understood and enjoyed by everyone. And often these very same statements are thrown out with thoughtlessness, sarcasm, and insensitivity to those we're talking to. I say this, always choose your words wisely. We've said... We, as I was a child, I remember my mom always saying when I got my feelings hurt about something someone said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And that is such a lie. It is, it, and as you get older, you'll realize even more that is such a lie. Words hurt to the core. Words hurt to the core. And what we say as Christians needs to be said in love and needs to be done in love and showing our affection for one another and showing our love for one another and making sure we don't offend one another because we all have the same goal in mind. Our goal is to get to heaven one day. Our goal is to get to heaven one day so that we can see those loved ones who have gone on before us one day. So words can hurt. Another statement I've heard so many times in life is let them know how much you care before you let them know how much you know. Right? People don't care how much you know about God's Word until you let them know that your love and that the love of God is in you and that you're going to share that love with them. I've used the example before. My grandfather could study with someone and tell them that if they don't straighten up their life, they're not going to make it to heaven one day and then tell him thank you for that. He said it a little, a little more abrupt and direct than that, but they would thank him for that because they knew that he loved them, that he cared for them, for them and that he wanted them to make it to heaven one day. Sometimes it's difficult to bite your tongue, isn't it? Sometimes we feel like we're going to bite our tongue in two. And as I've said before, it always seems to be the case with me anyway. It's always the family's the hardest people to deal with. And sometimes maybe our spiritual family might be hard to deal with. And so we have to put ourselves in the other's shoes to know that we're helping one another because we have the same goal in mind and we have that love of God in us and for one another. So let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. 
Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Now let's stop there. Knowledge puffs up. So what is, what is being puffed up? Well, we can think about 1 Corinthians um, in talking about love. And we say love is not puffed up. Well, that term puffed up there means to be arrogant. To think of oneself as being arrogant. So if it says, we know that we all have knowledge, knowledge makes us arrogant, but love builds us up. Knowledge can make you arrogant if you use it in the wrong way. Knowledge can make you powerful if you use it in the right way. By gaining knowledge, the knowledge of God's Word, and applying that Word to our life, that knowledge makes us right in the sight of God. And being right in the sight of God, we can make it to heaven one day. Love builds up always. If we love someone in the correct manner, we're going to build that person up, aren't we? We're going to encourage them and to show our love outwardly toward them. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. So by us loving God, He knows us. And we love Him by showing that we obey by the commandments and the requirements that He gives us in His Word. Therefore, concerning the eating of those things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God and Father of whom are all things, and we for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ through Him are all things, and through Him we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And if their conscience, being weak, is defiled, but food does not commend us to God... For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worst. But beware lest someone this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, um, all of you know uh, Ryan and Leanne Taylor, and they, and they don't mind me saying, Ryan and Leanne are vegetarians. They're not vegans, they're vegetarians. 
And so it's always been intriguing to me that someone would make that choice. And yes, it's a, it's a healthy choice, but you know, uh, then again, it, it all depends on who you, who you talk to, right? So I would never offend them by saying that I think they were wrong in eating only vegetables. But in the same token, they would never offend me by saying that it was, that it was wrong for me to eat meat. Now, the situation in, in the Corinthian church here that they were dealing with is they had an animal, they were offering that animal as a sacrifice to a false god, an idol. And it went against the consciousness of those who were, who were weaker to partake of that meat that had been offered to an idol. Now, if you know something that you're doing, and it's not always easy to do this, guys, and, and, and I'm speaking for myself as well, it's not always easy to be careful about what we're doing in front of other people to not be, uh, make them go against their conscience. You know, if you've ever been in a business uh, situation, a business party, and they have drinking going on, and, and they ask you, uh, to partake of that, well, certainly not only would it, go, uh, would it go against my conscience, but it would go against God's Word. And so uh, I could give them a sermon on why I'm not drinking, but that's probably not the right place and the right time to do that, but maybe we can have that conversation later. So by saying no thank you, they realize that there's going to be something different about you. And then we can, we can have a Bible study later about, about why is drinking wrong. How we share our beliefs are just as important as the beliefs themselves. How we share our beliefs are just as important as the beliefs themselves. What did we say? Knowledge puffs up, makes us arrogant, but love edifies it can build one up in the edification of that individual and helping them to understand God's Word better and applying that Word to their lives and making it to heaven one day. Like we said, school choices, family size, maybe we could even say holiday participation can all be things that people can be ridiculed about, that people can disagree about. But as long as we're not doing anything against God's Word, that's what really matters. Can we still have unity of faith if we come to different applications or different opinions regarding various matters in God's Word? The answer is yes. We can still have the unity of faith. All agree that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Idolatry is sin. Can we all agree on that? We all agree that idolatry is sin. God even warned of it. Have no other gods before me. Yet one applied that belief to not eat meat or to eat no meat. That was not the point there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Another applied the belief to eat meat. And maybe there was a good thing about that. And that all should eat meat. None should be vegetarians. It's all in misapplication or understanding of God's Word. 
our modern convictions that we have today, like going to public schools or private schools or home schools or being a Republican or a Democrat or having a Ford or a Chevy or having an Apple or a Droid, those things are matters of opinion and we need to be careful in how we approach those things because we want to show our love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The purpose of knowledge is to bring us up and to build us up in the faith. Notice, if you will, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for just a second. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ. The edifying, the building up. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be perfect men, or a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, the building up of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. God loves us. God gave so many examples in His Word of how we are to edify one another, how we're to build up one another, how we're to love one another. And we can see those examples so prevalent in God's Word. All want what is best for our children to walk in the Lord. All want to be good stewards of what God has given us, but come to different convictions about faith about birth control, about different things that might come up in the world. Turn, if you will, back over to 1 Corinthians and go to chapter 13 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Beginning in verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If we show our love for God and our love for His Word and making application of that Word in our life, we can never fail. Satan can never win, but God can. 
Be mindful of others. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not judge the servant of God, for he stands before God, not before you. Romans chapter 14 and verse 4 is a good verse for that. Use your words to build up, not to destroy, as we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Whatever you do in the service of the Lord, do all in the name of the Lord. Do all with the love of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 31. Clearly, we all have the knowledge of God. Don't let the knowledge of God make you arrogant to those around you. Whether it be your brothers and sisters in Christ or those whom you might be trying to study with or co-workers at work, don't let that knowledge destroy you and your influence on that individual by being arrogant of the knowledge that you have. There is always someone who knows more about God's Word than you. I promise. There's always, there's always someone who knows more about God's Word than you. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for me? That means I have to keep studying. I have to keep making application of God's Word in my life. And I have to learn from the lessons that I have in life to make me a better Christian. We all have to do that, don't we? We all have to be of that same mind and edifying one another. Consider the consciousness of, of, or the conscience of some other individual if what you're doing is causing them to stumble. Remember, it, they may be weaker in the faith. They may still be on the milk of the Word and not on the meat of the Word. And we need to help them and encourage them and not to down them for the knowledge that they may lack, but to encourage them to gain more knowledge and make application of God's Word in their life. There may be some here this morning who have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation. The Bible tells us to hear the Word of God, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And we see the example of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. I believe, what hindereth me? What hindereth me? The eunuch believed. We must repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose, have that change of mind. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. For the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands every man everywhere to repent, to stop sinning on purpose, to have that change of mind. Confession, the mouth is confession is made into salvation, Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. And all the many places in God's word that it says we must be baptized for the remission of sins. A burial in a watery grave raised to walk in newness of life. Maybe there are those who perhaps are already a Christian and they've sinned in a public way. Then certainly if you sinned in a public way, then a public manner is which you should repent of that. Or perhaps you need the, brother, the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ for struggles that you may be having in life or or just the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters. We want to encourage you, if you have a need this morning, whatever that need may be, to respond to the Lord's invitation as we stand and as we sing.